Welcome back to The Common Christian Diet. I'm Paige, and this is episode number nine. If this is your first episode, I'd encourage you to go back to the beginning and listen to the episodes in order because The Common Christian Diet isn't a normal podcast. It's a decade-long testimony about how God completely transformed my life, and it's broken up into little bite-sized stories. Today's episode is called, Why Wasn't I Just Born Skinny? And it's about unrealistic expectations. The idea for this episode came to me while I was cleaning out my closet the other day. It was long overdue considering some of the clothing had moved in with me when I bought this house over 14 years ago. As I looked through the various shirts and pants and shoes, I saw different seasons of my life unfolding. I pictured career changes and promotions, vacations and tennis lessons. I flipped through church clothes and rodeo clothes, and I think I found a different t-shirt for every t-ball, soccer, and football team my son ever played on. As I sorted, I rediscovered different versions of myself like younger me, thinner me, plain Jane me, fitness junkie me, business professional me, and a very short-lived world traveling phase. But I also found some clothing that just didn't seem to fit me at all. I pulled out fancy dresses and short skirts and form-fitting blouses and I held them to myself in the mirror. Was this ever me? I'm not a trendy person. I like what I like and I buy clothing that fits my short, sturdy frame and I don't worry too much if I'm wearing what everyone else is wearing. Since this is a podcast, I'll go ahead and mention that when I say short and sturdy, I mean I am built much like a female gymnast. So as an example, I have never once been tempted to buy a single pair of super skinny jeans no matter how popular they are. And name brands don't get my attention either. If someone were to ask me where I bought my purse, I would have to answer with something like aisle 5 and if you get to the potato chips you've gone too far. But these outfits in my closet were trendy. Some of them had matching accessories and fancy shoes that I don't remember how to walk in. Some were expensive or inappropriately tight or both. Some were for business and others for fun. I even had tennis clothes with matching tops and skirts that made me look like I was going on tour. These were really nice clothes, but they didn't match me. I remember going shopping during this unique season of my life. I was in my early 30s, a single mom and an engineer. I was striving to be super mom, fitness queen, and employee of the month all at the same time. But none of it was working. It seemed like the harder I tried at the office, the more I failed at home. And as I cheered for my son at football games, I felt guilty for not having my laptop with me. And the lady inside me who used to run marathons was just going to have to settle for a quick jog around the neighborhood. Some days, it was like a miracle to get up, work out, get dressed, make lunches, drop son at daycare, go to work do the dance, pick son up, feed snack, change for football practice, catch up on emails, go home, eat dinner, study for the spelling test, put son to bed, pull out the laptop, and do more work until I couldn't keep my eyes open. Then I'd wake up and repeat for about three years. Even though I spent nearly every moment of every day working to please someone else, I felt like no one was ever pleased. And I'm not a people pleaser by nature, but day after day, I was getting worn down by constant negative feedback. I've already mentioned in previous episodes about the hostile work environment that I was in at that time, but this specific season of life also included the challenges of raising a strong-willed child. He was still in elementary school, but somewhere between second and third grade, he graduated from sweet and easygoing to feisty button pusher. 
I literally bought and read a book about raising a strong-willed child because I thought if I lose control at this age, I'll never survive the teenage years. I wanted to be consistent with him, set clear boundaries, stand firm on rules, and stick to consequences. But it was exhausting. I remember one night watching him as he stomped up the stairs to his room, just begging him in my mind to please start behaving better so I could reward him with something. As he continued to test the boundaries, I knew I had to hold the line when all I really wanted to do was give in so we could play a game or watch cartoons together. Some days he refused to tell me he loved me, and more than once he told me he wished he had a better mom. I knew he didn't mean it. He was just being a kid who was mad he didn't get his way. But sometimes it still made me question myself. And while my wounds were raw from home, I would go to work where negativity was in the air like salt spray. If the drawings were late, if a project was going over budget, or if someone just disagreed with a policy change, criticism was always critical. Over time, the fantasy of supermom, fitness queen, and employee of the month faded away and was replaced with doubts, negative self-talk, and loss of confidence. Maybe he did deserve a better mom. Maybe I really wasn't equipped for any of this. On one particularly hard day, I left the parking lot at work and called a friend on my way to daycare. I was sobbing when they answered, and I said to my friend, Please tell me I don't suck. They were confused, but knew I was serious. What's wrong? Just tell me. Of course you don't suck, they reminded me. Somehow, the addition of those two little words, of course, made it the nicest compliment I had heard in a long time. And it was enough to help me pull it together before I picked up my son and tried again. Looking through my closet, I noticed the irony that the season of life where I wore the fanciest clothing was really a cover-up for failure me. It was the trifecta of disappointment with where I was as a mom, an engineer, and with my physical health. I kept telling myself to just work harder, but it never made it better. And this was the mindset that took me shopping. Now, let me emphasize that there's nothing wrong with being a trendy person. But my whole purpose in changing my style was not because I had taken a sudden interest in fashion. I bought new clothes just to receive a compliment, so people around me would have something nice to say to me. During that season, I was desperate for someone to look at me and have a reason to smile. But as I'm holding this clothing to myself in the mirror now, I see the failure me years a little differently. That season of life was before I gave my life to Jesus and before I had the ability to see myself through his eyes. I had high expectations of myself to be a perfect mom, marathon runner, and fast-paced engineer because that's what life was all about for me at that time. My identity was wrapped up in being smart, being fit, and being a good mom. Success was about what I could do and how far I could go. But my high expectations of myself didn't leave any room for mistakes. If I missed a morning workout because I was tired, I stamped loser on my forehead before I even started my day. If my eight-year-old was late to practice, forgot to turn in homework, or argued with me about bedtime, I labeled myself a terrible parent. When I thought about searching for a less demanding job, I felt ashamed for backing down from a challenge. In my unrealistic view of success, I couldn't see all the things I was getting right. The truth was, my son was healthy and happy 
doing well in school, and his boundary pushing was quite normal. And he did love me, even if his youthful temper made him say otherwise. The truth was, I was a solid performer at work, but looking for another job with a more relaxed culture would have been perfectly appropriate. The truth was, I was physically fit and healthy, and there was never a requirement for me to work out seven days a week except the one in my head. Failure me wasn't really failing. I just needed to stop chasing perfection. The good news is that ultimately this season of life is what led me to cry out to Jesus. Failure me hit a point where I was so discouraged and defeated that I dropped to my knees and begged God to take over my life. When I turned to Christ, he slowly but surely led me out of that dark place and gave me new hope and new perspective, a new identity, and more realistic expectations. Over the years, as God taught me to pray and read the Bible, I started to view success and my identity a little differently. It wasn't supposed to be about what I could do and how well I could do it, but about who I was and, more importantly, about who God is. I learned to rely on God and not my paycheck. I learned I should strive to be healthy, but not a fitness model. I learned that even though raising kids is a super important job, only God is a perfect parent. As I lowered my expectations and let go of some of my perfectionistic ways, I found more contentment. Eventually, I got married and entered into yet another season of life as wife and stepmom. Even though I was growing spiritually and had made a lot of progress over the years, I still carried unrealistic expectations into my new blended family. I wrote a story about those first few years of marriage called My Peace and Understanding, and peace is spelled P-I-E-C-E because it's about my piece of the new family puzzle, and it's about how I wrestled again with my identity. My Peace and Understanding I didn't quite know what to expect when I became a parent in a blended family with two boys ages five and nine. I didn't have any delusions of seamless transitions and perfect harmony in our happily ever after home, but I wasn't fully prepared for the range of emotions in front of me. Our marriage meant two young men must transition their status from only child to sibling, but they weren't the only ones who had a lot to learn about jealousy and sharing. Marriage also meant I was no longer the primary decision maker of our household. I wasn't always the first person the kids ran to with exciting news about their day. At restaurants or movies, the boys fought over who got to sit next to my husband and the loser sighed a little when sliding into the seat next to me. Not only was I learning to share parental responsibilities, but I also had the challenge of getting to know the little boy who calls me by my first name and spends the majority of his time in a completely different household. My transition from single parent to family member was everything I wanted and had prayed for, but it came with an emotional downside. I was no longer my older son's everything, and I wasn't yet much of anything to my younger son. Like most married couples, my husband and I are very different people. My husband makes the kids laugh. I make the kids do chores. My husband knows all their video game characters by name. I know when their homework is due. I plan the vacations, and my husband plays with the kids in the hotel pool and fixes Texas-shaped waffles at the breakfast bar the next morning. We both share in the responsibilities of parenting, but my husband will always be the fun one, and I will sweep up the mud they track in from their fishing trip. 
The kids don't recognize the hours spent behind the scenes coordinating calendars, purchasing tickets, and making sure everyone has packed enough underwear, but they do see my frown when they pour too much syrup over the panhandle. It's not that my husband isn't strict or that I never have fun with the kids, but we do tend to follow the natural order of things. God made me a detail-oriented person, and he gave my husband the gift to make people laugh. Why didn't God make me more fun, more artistic, less driven, and more laid back? I loved that we were a family, but I couldn't stop staring at my husband and other moms and dads wondering why I wasn't better. Why wasn't I the one bringing homemade cupcakes to their class parties with beautiful icing complete with sprinkles in their school colors? How do these other parents seem to find time to volunteer for every single one of their children's activities? What if I was more spontaneous? Wouldn't they be happier if I stopped caring about dirty floors and suddenly baked a cake and decorated it like a baseball? What if I worked out the kinks in my two left thumbs and learned to play their favorite video game? Would that make me a better parent? Or am I exactly the mom God wanted for my kids? I had to stop and ask myself if I was feeling jealous or feeling inspired. I get jealous when I measure myself against someone who has a gift or a calling that wasn't meant for me. Inspiration, on the other hand, is the Holy Spirit of encouragement working in me to improve myself for God's purpose. Too often, I find myself struggling to make myself better in ways God never intended. I feel defeated when I think I should have the nicest yard in the neighborhood, when I screw up the punchline, or because I have never once converted an empty wine bottle into a centerpiece for the dining room. But why do I feel the need to compare myself to others? Why am I jealous when I don't even like crafts or gardening and I love listening to my husband make the whole room laugh? But what is my piece in this new family puzzle? If God handpicked my abilities for my path and his purpose, what are they? If I am wonderfully and perfectly made, why do I feel so inadequate? If the Holy Spirit is encouraging me to do something, what is it? When I was young, I wanted to be the best in school so I could go to a great college. Then in college, I was focused on getting a great job and building a successful career. When I became a mother, I focused on schedules and routines and recording every first my child would make. When I became a single mother, I focused on giving my son the best life I could give him without a father. But now he had a father, and they loved each other, and I was no longer in survival mode. We were a family. But who was I? I used to struggle trying to get it all done, and now I was struggling to figure out what I was even supposed to be doing. I felt lost and needed God to point me in the right direction. I was sure he had big plans for me now that I was no longer on my own. But to my surprise, all my prayers in those first few years just kept leading me right back home. When I searched for answers on who God wanted me to be, my husband would tell me what a blessing I was to him. When I prayed about what volunteer work I should sign up for, it would be time to cheer on our boys at a Little League game. When I wondered how God wanted to use me and my talents, kids needed help with their homework. My answer was becoming obvious. He wanted me to spend time at home, loving and supporting my family. I was to serve God by building my marriage and building a relationship with my younger son. But true to my stubborn nature, I continued to ask for guidance. Surely God wanted something more from me now that I was married. There are so many families out there who seem to volunteer every night of the week, and maybe I just needed to pick something and sign up for it. But those thoughts were just more comparisons leading to jealousy and defeat. I was needed at home while our family was adjusting to our new family life. 
and that was enough. My time to volunteer would come later, and God would call me when he was ready. God chose me to be a wife and mother in my beautifully blended home. When I stopped focusing on how I could be more useful outside the home, the spirit of encouragement began showing me how to be a better wife and mother. He changed my focus. He showed me when I needed more patience or when I needed to stop doing chores and just spend time with my children. He reminded me that not every mom can bring homemade desserts to the potluck and my contribution of paper plates and a bag of chips are important too. The transition from single mom to family member means I no longer have to be the primary decision maker in our household because now I have a partner. There is no room in our marriage for jealousy because I can't support my husband and compete with him at the same time. I might not be the funny one, but I am the helper of homework, the folder of laundry, the planner of vacations, the monitor of sugar consumption, and the cheerer from the stands. With God's help, I am everything my family needs, and that is enough. So as I'm cleaning out my closet, I am nearly nine years into marriage and this new season of life that I would call joyful me. I am content because I am no longer striving to be someone that God didn't intend for me to be. I've given up all my superhero aspirations and replaced them with biblical standards. Joyful me continues to be inspired to improve myself. I'm still healthy and active. I'm still a hard worker and I'm still a strict parent. But when I stopped striving for perfection, I also became more forgiving, more patient, and more loving. When I stopped trying to be great at everything, I spent more time becoming the person God wants me to be. And over time, as the boys have grown, God has called me to volunteer and use my time and talents for His purposes. I tell my stories because I want others to be joyful. I know the stress of living with unrealistic expectations and thinking that one mistake would throw the whole world off course. Striving for perfection always left me feeling exhausted and defeated. But remember that strong-willed little boy and his failure of a mother? Well, he is currently studying engineering at the University of Alabama. He is healthy and happy and confident and wonderful. He loves me, and more importantly, he loves the Lord. I couldn't be more proud of him. I will never be a perfect mother or perfect wife, and I'll probably never learn to bake award-winning cupcakes or have the yard of the month. But when I seek to please God and be what He is calling me to be, I am successful, I am loved, and I am enough. Thanks for listening. I'm Paige, and this is The Common Christian Diet. The things we want to change Oh, and then we nurse the excuses when we want to stay the same Every day